No, um, right. The podcast that covers the origin stories of some of the biggest names in sports, media, and entertainment. Nick Durst here, along with Joe Calabrese. And Joe, guess who's back? Back again. Tell the audience which one of our friends is back again. He needs no introduction. We're going to get right into it. Uh, now, a, what is it, three-time guest? Three, three times. times. Three, three times. Becoming yeah, an annual thing. thing. It is an annual thing. We should do a quarterly episode with him. That's a great idea. Anyway, Jay, I'm hearing you out. You've been catching flights, not feelings. Uh, so what have you been up to and what have you been up to career-wise? Uh, career-wise, I write on Substack, and it's the most uh, fulfilling experience I've ever had. Nobody messing with your headlines. Uh, no deadlines. Uh, yeah, I enjoy it. I mean, it's it's. I tell people to say, well, wait a minute. You wrote in Chicago and you worked at ESPN. No, no, no. No, the, the reason I got in this business was to write a long, long time ago. I enjoyed the craft of writing. I enjoyed sports. I melded them together. For the first time since I was about 18, I feel as if I can focus on writing, not running off to a radio show or to a TV show or to an airplane or to... And, and having done that as long as I did and doing it probably too frequently, I was too busy, a little too crazy, uh, I am just back to writing. And I think there's something to be said for that. Uh, I think we've talked before on the, this podcast about sort of the demise of column writing. There aren't as many columnists. There are more storytellers, uh, very good writers out there. The Athletic is fine writers, but I've been on sort of the crusade here that they need more columnists. They need more opinion. And lo and behold, about two weeks ago, they started an opinion page mm -hmm. with a columnist named, named uh, Jim Trotter. So maybe I'm making some impact at least as a critic of some of these places. But I, I don't, career-wise, I'm enjoying writing right now. I enjoy doing things like this. And I don't know if I, one of the pieces I wrote recently was, I don't miss any of that crazy TV celebrity and that got a lot of traction, that hit, because I think a lot of people are seeking that big TV celebrity and, and they want to be on ESPN every day. I don't miss any of that because, because of any number of crazy reasons, convoluted reasons that have allowed me to relax in life, even though probably right now I don't look like it. Well, you seem like you're enjoying life. You're out there, the West Coast vibe going on. But why haven't we seen you appearing on other shows, other platforms, is it because you've been blacklisted? Oh, that's a good question. I would say uh, because the columns I write might every now and then have to do with some powerful people in sports media. And I think it's always been my obligation to be honest with people, you guys, anybody reading, anybody watching, listening, I'm always going to be honest. I'm not angling for a job. I never have. And that uh, I think that pisses some people off on high. I mean, I've written quite a bit about, I don't know. I mean, the, the ups and downs of ESPN right now, they're, they signed Pat McAfee for tons of money and they're laying off thousands of people. I don't, I think that's uh, disproportionate to 2023 uh, reality. And I, I don't think that's fair to those 7,000 people. And I think you have either. I don't even know if he fits into what they do at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Right. I, it's Jay, don't you think if ESPN, want, if ESPN wanted to save money, all they had to do was get rid of seven NFL analysts, you still have 14 left, and you save everybody's jobs? Well, I don't think you have to pay him that much. I don't believe some of these uh, contract figures anyway. I think the agents out here at CAA and so on, they're very, uh, they're very good at lying. Mm. I don't think Stephen A. makes what he makes. I don't think Skip Bayless makes what he makes. And I don't think McAfee will make what they say he makes. And if I'm ESPN, I'm telling Pat McAfee, please don't inflate this number. <clears throat> because all you're going to do is upset a lot of people in house here that uh, have a reason to be upset because they're losing their careers. And, and so back to your original question, do you really think Jimmy Pitaro, I've never met, likes that? No. I'm supposed to be happy to be on Around the Horn. No, I'm not on Around the Horn. So I'm going to tell people about ESPN World. Uh, uh, Fox Sports pretty much basically told 
cutter that we won't cover the human rights abuses and the murders. We won't do any of that. We'll just show soccer, stick to the games and got the rights to it. And then their, their you know, CEO, Eric Shanks, uh, runs an, a little newspaper out here in Ojai, California and bragged about how he's trying to save journalism. Well, Eric, and I wrote a column about this, why, why don't you practice journalism on high at Fox Sports instead of selling out uh, to Qatar for the World Cup? I catch a lot of these guys in hypocrisy. Nobody else is writing it. You think Richard Deitch will write it? No, he needs his access. Do you think Jimmy Trina, is that his name? Won't write it. He needs his access. access. He, it, it's, I feel like I'm in a privileged position here because I'm not attached to any of these people to write fiercely independently on this site, which a lot of people read. Substack is huge. It even got mentioned on Succession. And uh, I, I'm enjoying it. So there's your answer. Do you think any of these people with their very long tentacles are going to hire me? They hate me. And I want them to hate me. And that's good because somebody has to call them out for their stuff. And I'm at a position in life where I don't thankfully need to work. I love to write. So while I'm doing it, and while last night I wrote about the heat and I write a lot of nice columns about a lot of people in sports, every now and then I write about media because uh, there's an expertise attached to it with me. And uh, they're not going to hire me. There's zero chance of that. Nor do I think I want to work for them because of those uh, hypocritical situations. So has anyone tried to sign you to a contract to write or appear on camera, but then had to rescind the deal uh, soon after uh, because of something that you had wrote uh, that presented some type of conflict of interest or uh, some type of conflict <clears throat> to them? Excuse me. <clears throat> At one point I interviewed, this is years ago, with Fox, and we talked seriously about, uh, that's when Jamie Horowitz was at Fox. That was a while ago. Now I think where he's WWE, I believe. Yeah. But Horowitz yep. had brought me in there and uh, actually met with people and so on. I wouldn't say rescinded, but there was interest. And then I think from on high, no. What I can tell you was years ago when uh, Jay Moore, now married to Jeannie Buss, I'm into gossip, right? Looks a little different now from his Bob Sugar days and Jerry Maguire. Jay Moore uh, had to take a couple of days off, so they had me in at Fox Sports Radio to sub for him. Uh, by all accounts, it was a cool couple of days. And then uh, Bruce Gilbert, who was running the uh, network at the time, calls me in and says, Jay, this is a big company. And uh, there's some people here who don't want you here. Well, mm -hmm. hmm, why? You know, does this have to do with a legal case uh, now 13 years old that uh, was, uh, you know, off my record shortly after that and we won the civil case and nobody's ever uh, published that anywhere and I look at that as triumphant but if nobody will run it in the media uh <laughs> what good does it do that tells me that's a blackball you're blackballing important information because you want to make me look bad I'll tell you one other quick story the athletic uh, a year ago Bob Kravitz longtime writer profiled me uh for several days met him in Chicago he wanted to do this definitive profile. He had it written. He called my lawyer. He got the legal part correct. The first person to get the legal part correct, Kravitz. And then one day he calls me and says, they've decided not to run it. Hmm. Why? Well, I'll decipher that because I think the story was going to make me look good and correct some of these long ago misperceptions and falsehoods that have been written about me. And I don't, I don't think they wanted to write it. I think they wanted to make me look bad. So let me ask you this. Why would I want to get into it? Why would I want to work for the athletic? That's how they operate. Why would I want to work for ESPN when I've seen some of the things they pull? I, I had enough of that, guys. I, I, I made my first paycheck in this business when I was 17 as an intern and kept making paychecks into my mid-50s. doesn't make a lot of sense now, and I did well. And I don't need to work now. It doesn't make a lot of sense to go begging Mr. ESPN or Mr. Fox or Mr. Athletic. Hey, I'll I'll be you know much milder and I'll fit into the storytelling mode and and I'll be the company man and Scott Van Pelt will love me and blah 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 and I'll I'll even say gambling is cool. Forget about all those teenagers gambling. I'll I'll be a company. Why would I do that? I'm having much more impact 
and a much more important role doing what I'm doing now than ever would as some underling at those places. I mean, I'd love to go in and argue with Stephen A. Smith. I would be the first guy to actually beat him in an argument. But it's not, he might actually want that, but there's no zero chance that'll happen in the culture of ESPN, which has enough issues to bring me back after all these years. So, nah, I think at some point you realize life moves on, moves on. The, the, the business changed drastically. And uh, while it hasn't passed me by, I'm still very, very into living in May of 2023. And my, I think my columns reflect currency, topicality, uh, and, and I'm living right now. I'm not some guy living in the past, not Woody Page. I'm, I'm now living right here and uh, I'm enjoying what I do. In fact, I, I didn't have a deadline last night. I went to sleep and got up very, very early this morning and wrote about uh, Eric Spolstra and heat culture and how fascinating it is and how it actually works in 2023 in a league of knuckleheads like Ja Morant and Kyrie Irving, and you name it, even people who hopscotch and hunt titles like uh, Kevin Durant, LeBron. Well, well, look at the Heat. Look, they just stuck by Eric Spolstra when Le- LeBron once upon a time tried to get rid of him and shoved him once. And uh, look at them now. Spolstra's pulling off a, a coaching job for the ages with a bunch of undrafted players. And Denver, they're forgotten. They stuck by it. They could have fired Michael Malone. They could have traded Jamal Murray. They, they stuck by the blueprint. I think there's a lesson here for all these other crazy NBA situations and these superstars who, who try to create their super teams. Neither of these teams are super teams, but they're cool teams to watch. I just don't know what kind of audience this is going to get. Frankly, I don't care. I'm going to enjoy for a change. Fundamental basketball. Team basketball. And you were part of a great team, of course, back with Around the Horn. Gone a decade now, still in the top five all-time on wins, which is never going to be touched. Never going to be touched. Because it was on every day. Every day, yeah. It is. That would never happen now. Right now, it's like you, you throw darts to see who's going to be on. Who's going to be on. The only, the only consistent now, you know, two, three days a week, your old buddy, your rival, Woody Page, recently had him on the show. He had great things to say about you. And he was very complimentary of you in the early days. Now the show is just completely different. But would you say that Woody Page is responsible for the success that a Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless have had because they got to kind of work with him early days? And Woody was kind of there in the, the forefront of inventing that debate type of one-on-one show. No, I think those guys were successful newspaper columnists before they appeared on TV. And I think their personality personalities were ingrained in who they were already. I don't know if Woody was responsible. I think Woody was a convenient uh, debater. Uh, he and I perfected the art of uh, conflict. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people at the time would say, uh, uh, you guys can't possibly hate each other. I'd say, no, but for that half hour, I, I think, no, I don't think he's prepared. No, I don't know. I don't, but that made, that made, I'm sitting there preparing like a, a madman every day and I'm working three jobs, I'm flying and all right, here I am. Well, let's do a great debate. And, and, you know, he's being Woody, but that's why it worked. That this classic mismatch of people and it didn't have to be created. I would tell you Bayless and Shannon Sharp were a creation. I don't think it works. Uh, I think right now, uh, Stephen A, they've still tried to fit him with people. Did the Kellerman thing work? No. They what do you think about Stephen A with Mad Dog? Uh, it's You know why it's better? Because it's two different cultures. Yeah. This old school guy who, who, you know, you don't know where he's coming from half the time, and Stephen A will get in his face. I think that's more natural, and I think that's what we had. I think Paige yeah. and were... Really, Jay, who's tuning in to watch J.J. Reddick talk to Stephen A. Smith? Because that's pressure on high to try to incorporate athletes. J.J. Mm. Reddick's pretty good. <clears throat> I, I just don't like forced uh, arguments. I think you... I think around the horn when we first started many years ago at the Carnegie Deli and the thing had a fire the day we were there. <laughs> you talk about an omen. 
And they threw us all into a room. It was Bob Ryan and TJ Simers. And these are names you don't even probably know, but Tim Kalashaw and Woody and me. And yeah, of course. Yeah, well, well, you you see, when we had these conference calls every morning, uh, you would it, it, you'd have a pretty good idea who would go back and forth. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with going back and forth, but somewhere along the way, and I don't quite know why, it became a bad thing. Oh, uh, those guys yell and scream. We don't, if you put our decibels up against Tony Kornheiser at his highest pitch, not even close, but somehow because we were the Melrose place to 90210 and we were the, oh, uh, the, the sequel and these guys suck. There was a lot of that going on in the early days around Horn. And uh, that's why it was really important to continue to, you know, let's, let's have fun, but let's educate people. Let's come up with really solid opinions. And if we have to go at it, nothing wrong with saying, I don't agree, damn it, with the word you're saying. You would never, what I just said, those six words, you will never ever hear again on around the horn because the guys on high have decided we just need to be low key and not piss anybody off mm-hmm. at ESPN. ESPN just that show, nobody's being paid. Maybe Tony reality is being paid. But one of the reasons it'll stay on the air, despite pretty low ratings is they have to pay Pat McAfee and they don't pay anybody on that show. A lot of people have other roles. Uh, they'll bring in Emily Kaplan. She has 20 X shows to do a year because she's standing. Right reporter and blah, 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 I could go on and on. But other than Tony, nobody is a regular on that show anymore. I think it hurts the show and the ratings. They've lost two thirds of the ratings since I was on because we were constants. Woody was a constant, I was a constant. And uh, pretty much we had a core of six, seven, Jackie McMullen, Kalashaw, Adonde, but it didn't go beyond that, only on rare occasions. And I think They've, they've really hurt themselves because there's no continuity and therefore there's no familiar arguing um, uh, figure as you're looking into the screen. There's Paige today. We, let's go at it. And I think that was the heart of the show. Yeah. And now you get basically 16 different people doing this show in a week, which is crazy. Now, last year, the show celebrated, I believe, the, the 25th anniversary or maybe it was more. And they did a whole like special on it. Obviously, the glaring omission was you. We knew it for, you, you should have been there, thirtieth anniversary. But we're, of course, we weren't going to get you in there. But uh, it was nice to see how it all started. Woody told us about the Carnegie Deli meeting. How Max Kellerman wouldn't shut up about boxing and the Yankees and Madison Square Garden. It's gone to the Diamond District. I didn't wow. even know such a thing existed. It, we went from that meeting at the Carnegie Dell and it, yeah, he did the boxing thing, but then it's, we're all going down to the diamond district. The what? And sure enough, it's what I'm 40. You guys are 46th street or something. And we're walking like, where the hell are we? There's Max. He knows every guy. The diamond. Then he takes us down to some bar somewhere in the village. And we watched the Yankees who were on that night. And then we realized Max was a, you know, crazy Yankee guy. And uh, so, yeah, it, it became a, uh, it, it, the most important part of all of that, I think, was just the ability to get to know each other over hundreds of shows. And therefore, when I knew that McMullen and I would meet in the showdown, that she would really go at it with me. I'm sure. So I'd have fun with her. <laughs> I don't see that anymore. It's just kind of. Yes, I think that I think that blah blah blah. I Frank Isola every now and then DMs me and says nice things about my columns. I think Frank would, my guess is, love to have an argument, but he's just a little more polished. See, yeah. I just go at, I just like screw. It. I'm the I'm kind of the anti ESPN. I'm kind of shocked I was on their eighteen hundred shows for eight years. Like, how did that ever happen? Because I have nothing in common with that place other than I'm critical of them and was before I was ever on the place. Because if you're any sports columnist worth your salt, you're gonna at times have to go after ESPN, but everybody wants to work for them. So they're afraid to, well, then get out of the business then because you either have to have some stones and at times like this McAfee thing, go after them uh, or otherwise just don't. That Then basically you're, you're, you're trying to worm your way into Bristol and that, believe me, that, that doesn't make for a happy life doing that. 
Well, you had great chemistry with the, the other hosts because, you, like you said, you're all on at the same time, going against each other, but you knew who was going to go where. But someone who you never know where he's going to go and has terrible chemistry with his teammates is Kyrie Irving. Jay, this guy, no matter where he goes, he just he leaves more like he just rampages every organization, kill, killed the Cavs at the end, destroyed the Celtics, blew up the Nets. Now he's in. De- he's going to leave Dallas. They got worse with him. He's is he going to go play with LeBron? What what is with this guy? Why would anybody want to sign him to this max deal? <clears throat> I think because he's such a gifted player, he has everybody mesmerized. And he is a kid that, you know, maybe the greatest handle ever. He can get you a bucket in a league where last night at times in the first half, I'm like, anybody going to score here? Kyrie Irving can get you a bucket. Unfortunately, everything else, all the other baggage outweighs his, his extreme, you know, ability to play basketball. He's a Hall of Fame basketball player through and through, but also a Hall of Shame knucklehead through and through. <laughs> And yes, the Lakers, as you just saw, are kind of desperate for that kind of player. Uh, Austin Reeves is fun, but it's like not since Sue. Jed Clampett, you know, did, did somebody come from the wilds of the middle America to come to L.A. and turn anybody on? He's a supporting cast player. They have to, they're treating him like we have to get this done first. That's not going to appease LeBron, who is sitting there dangling that retirement carrot. You know what that means. They have to do what he says again. That hasn't always worked out. I guarantee you this whole thing is about Kyrie Irving. I guarantee you Rob Palinka wants to be part of him for all the aforementioned reasons. Uh, Jeannie Buss will probably acquiesce. She always does. And I'm guessing here Kyrie will take a lesser contract and be with the Lakers. And all of that nonsense will play out where in Hollywood where it'll be even more magnified. Uh, LeBron thinks I can control him. I don't think so. When LeBron and Kyrie won a championship in in Cleveland, shortly after that, Kyrie couldn't wait to get away from Cleveland to go to Boston, which started this odyssey of wrecking franchises all the way. So why would LeBron think he's going to listen to him now? He's going to have a heart to heart with him. Yeah. I, I, Mark Cuban's probably sitting there thinking, yeah, I'll still be able to sign him. I, I don't think he wants to be there. And we saw how that went. I, yeah, I, think Kyrie will play for the Lakers and it'll be you know another crazy soap opera so you, you mentioned LeBron he oh I'm gonna retire that was nonsense Jay I think he was just saying that because he didn't want anybody to talk about the fact that his team just got swept by the Denver Nuggets and he <clears> wanted to just change the narrative but how did you how did you feel about that whole scenario there I'm a baby when he loses I was there uh, when his first time in Cleveland remember he ripped off his shirt after the loss to the Celtics. Yep. Then he left. He, you know, long time has passed and he's grown up since then. And, and I might say is a, you know, a, a, an extreme credit to sports because he's never been in the kind of trouble Kyrie Irving has been or John Morant has been or any of these guys. He, LeBron James is nearing 40 and he's been pretty much been a model citizen. You don't have to like some of his political commentary, but he's been a model citizen and a very impactful athlete on and off the court in a you know in an American culture that demands that more than ever. So I, I need to say that. But back to the basketball end, he he's been chasing who MJ because he hears on television these continuing arguments arguments Michael versus LeBron, which have only increased since the last dance. And he thought this year when they got better in the playoffs that he might win number five. And that's only one short of six, which is what Michael won. Unfortunately, Michael won those six in 13 years in Chicago. Uh, LeBron's going on year number 21 and he's had to do this roadmap thing of bouncing around America mm-hmm. to keep chasing titles. And it wouldn't shock me guys. If, if he doesn't get his way with Kyrie, if he suddenly demands a trade and you might think where, I think Cuban would want him. Do I think it would work with Luca? Probably not. I don't know what would work with Luca at this point. You might think Cleveland in this second homecoming where he brings his son and and father and son play for the Cavaliers and live happily ever after. One, nobody knows if his son is an NBA player yet. There's a lot of hype. He'll tell you he is. LeBron will. 
But the, the trusted scouts are saying he's got a lot to prove at USC, and he's certainly not a one-and-done first-round guy. Uh, and secondly, at what point in LeBron at 40? The Cleveland Cavaliers, they, did, they were disappointing in the playoffs this year, but they have a young nucleus. I don't know how that fits LeBron James. Furthermore, they want to break that up to make a trade to the Lakers. They'd have to trade some talent. So what, why would they break that up for this nice little civic moment? I don't think there's anywhere for LeBron to go. I think LeBron would like to be in Golden State so they could just easily patch on to Curry and get the ring. But I think LeBron here... The it worked for year, Kevin Durant. He worked for Kevin Durant. Well, you know, the Kevin make, Durant. Who wants out of Boston, especially after last night? Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown. Hey, you're not... They don't want to pay him 200 and... What is it? 290 million? You got to pay Tatum next year, three hundred fifteen million. It's a lot of money for these two guys who tend to be stiffs in big moments. That doesn't work in Boston. You can get away with that in certain towns, not in that town. They're all angry at the world now. Bruins lose the first round, eight seed. Celtics lose an eight seed. Red Sox are downsizing. Brady's long gone. The Patriots struggle without him. South Beach did us a favor. Yeah, they're mad. And I don't feel sorry for them. They won, what, 12 in 18 years? Sorry. Sorry. I know I know. I have friends from Boston, and they expect to, they have this imperial right to win everything. Mm. So, yeah, I think right now a lot of focus is going to be on Brown and Tatum in that town. Those talk shows are going nuts, I'm sure. And I don't bring back Brown, so I trade him to Golden State, Jordan Poole, whose stock is down now, but maybe he just needs to change his scenery. Maybe Kaminga, uh, maybe a draft pick, whatever they have left. Uh, I don't think Draymond Green fits in Boston where his ears are still ringing from last year. Uh, but that's the sort of deal where Golden State, which needs to do something with this Jordan Poole, Draymond thing. Uh, maybe you think about a deal like that. Well, uh, I think... You know, Le- LeBron, he's always following in Jordan's footsteps. So what he should do is he should retire this year, and then he should buy ownership stake in the Wizards. He could draft his son and come out of retirement. <laughs> but I think what he would love to do, actually, is, Joe, wouldn't you think he'd love to force his way to San Antonio to play for Popovich and Wembenya- with Wembenyama, Jeff? He needs, he needs rings. Hold right? on, Jay. We, we know history often rhymes doesn't necessarily repeat. David Robinson, Tim Duncan, and more of a loose comparison, but once upon a time, a late draft pick named Tony Parker, uh, a French player, went to San Antonio, and he succeeded, right? So what do you think? Was this rigged? Did the NBA figure out that San Antonio was the safest place for this guy? Because, I mean, he's got all the measurables, which is something that Never seen before on a big. The Pistons got screwed. Perfect. I think he may have retired if not for this. No, I don't think they value Pop to the point where they're going to rig it for him. I I think if it would have been rigged, it would have been another Chicago rigging, like Derrick Rose. I am convinced to this day was a rigged job. I think they need to rev up these big markets, honestly. And Chicago is dormant. And it's still number three market. I think it's about to slide to four or five in the population. But uh, I, I, they need to, to wake up the bulls. So, no, I think it just fell this way. And uh, I think you're right. It's the perfect match. Pop is though pushing 75. I don't know how much longer he's going. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they bring in an heir apparent coach and then that you know, hopefully he doesn't stay as long as Jim Beheim. Maybe and, Tim uh, Duncan will be the next coach. Who will? Becky Tim Duncan? Hammond. Tim Duncan. Yeah, it won't be Becky Hammond. It will not. There was a time when we thought Popovich should try to make that happen. Tim Duncan could be the next coach, and he'd be perfect when Benyama. But uh, I also think they're years away. He's in for a rude awakening. Yeah, this guy's wingspan goes from the next town to the next town. And and what cracked me up was, I think last month he was 7'2". And then last week he was seven three, and then ESPN had him at Jonathan Givoni. He says it had him at seven five. By next week he might be eight feet two. You know, the growing boy. He's drinking his milk. He's having his. Yeah, I, I want to measure him up right now. I think though he's got to get a whiff of the NBA like a lot of these European players, and they're all great. This is Euro League right now. Jokic, Doncic, uh, 
Giannis. Uh, it's it's clear. I mean, I mean, even Jamal Murray is from Canada. It's an international uh, league now. And uh, just just look at the Olympics, which we used to dominate. Now we struggle to win. There were a couple of years we didn't win. Uh, I was there in Greece in 2004. I was taking a leisurely uh, scoot, scooter ride through Athens, and and I was going to go to the game and realize, oh my God, they're losing to Argentina. They lost that game. This is not an American domination anymore in basketball. So but I saying that there's still an acclimation period. I think Luca is still trying to get used to officials because all he does is yell at them. And uh, I think Victor is going to get a whiff of Draymond doing this or walking over his chest and, and LeBron buzzing by him and saying something to him or somebody or Jimmy Butler getting in his face and trash talking him or it's, there's an acclimation period. They're just not going to let this kid wander into the league and dominate. He's going to take some hits, and uh, it's going to take a while. But clearly, though, I mean, did you see him hit threes from 30. He's, this this hybrid of Steph and Giannis, and it's if it, it, it as advanced as he is at 19, it's hard to believe he would go backwards. I mean, I'm expecting an all-time player it just might take a while i hope people aren't thinking i'm going to go in november to a game at madison square garden and see this guy go uh, for you know 40 and 18 and 12 no it's going to take a while agreed let's shift gears here let's talk about baseball uh specifically uh the dodgers uh inviting a satirical drag troupe uh that dressed at, as nuns for Pride Night now um, should be a celebration, correct? Yeah. But as, as we all know, context is everything, right? Uh, living out there, how did you feel about that? And what was reaction um, from the fan base uh, and the media, which is not necessarily as critical uh, of something like that as it would be here in New York? I think the Dodgers meant well. I don't think they did clearly enough research or homework. They didn't talk to people about the backlash. If if you're not sophisticated enough and in tune with today's world, uh, you should ditch Pride Night because this is just a melting pot of confusion if you allow it to be. I don't know if you know about this, but Clayton Kershaw you know, devoutly Christian came out today and said, I was the one who forced the issue to get that original group out of there because it's, as you said, a satirical group like to make fun of, of, you know, Catholics, basically. I'm a Catholic. I mean, I, I, you know, there's sometimes not to get too deeply into this, but sometimes I do wonder every group out there seems to have a beef about something. And there are, and I think even though I think my religion has let me down in any number religion is to mock it, make fun of it, doesn't I don't agree with that. And that would be my point. Why would you have a night at the ballpark where you're bringing in a group, no, no matter what they stand for, that is mocking another religious group? What the hell does that have to do with whether... Julio Urias is healthy or not, or whether the center fielder will be rookie of the year, or, or whether Freddie Freeman's the MVP, or that's why I go to the ballpark. Why are we doing this? So I think this situation will, should make all franchises realize sports is escapism. People go to the ballpark to get away from all of this. There's enough of it on TV and it's out there in the world. Why are we doing this at the ballpark? If you're people making these decisions on high, and let's see, who runs the Dodgers? The owners are Guggenheim Baseball. These are a lot of uh, old man money people, one from Chicago, okay? They own the Dodgers. Uh, Stan Kasten, a longtime guy in his 70s, has run several sports franchises. He's a sports guy. He's not a religion guy. Andrew Friedman is a, an algorithm guy. You know, What does he know about this? They didn't do, you know, I, I assume they have business people who made this decision too, but they didn't do enough homework. And uh, evidently they're still going to have it, but, but Kershaw said today, I'm the one who recommended they have a Christian night. And that's why last week they suddenly announced to appease him uh, that they're going to have a Christian night. What have you gotten yourselves into here? Enough, ditch it. 
Don't let somebody else have Pride Night. It's a it, nice try, nice stab, but they're they're not. The world is too confusing for the LA Dodgers or any team to be having Pride Night. Agreed. Agreed. So let's talk about something more important here, uh, sports betting and sports gambling. Now, we've had you on in the past, and we've discussed sports betting and gambling-related topics before. Um, since then, uh, we've had more issues arise uh, in different sectors of the country, uh, different incidents, right? We've had the Alabama coach uh, involved in a, essentially a, a, a shady situation, placing a bet, was ultimately fired. Uh, a couple of Detroit Lions players. Several. I think we're up to six. Several. Now. We're up to six yeah. now. And this stems from uh, Calvin Ridley. So I think before the Calvin Ridley incident, uh, that was the last time that we had you on. Right. So figure we'd mention him too. Um, but this is, it's causing more of an issue here. And it's something that I think we've all seen coming. Right. Uh, but how does how does this get rectified moving forward? Where does it start? Does it have to start with the owners here? We're putting the hammer down, setting specific rules, setting specific guidelines within these organizations. In the case of the Alabama coach here, is it the NCAA? And we know your opinion on the NCAA, right? So we don't have to go back into that. But what needs to get fixed here to get people out of their own way? I need more public disclosure. All of these leagues and conferences are very good at taking TV money and very good at taking gambling money. And, and, and the TV networks are very good at taking and the media companies at, at, at taking gambling money. I'm not hearing a lot of public discourse from these massive networks in leagues. If I'm in the middle of this sea change in, in gambling around the world, but in particular in the United States, and I'm a commissioner, I'm making damn sure um, I'm having regular discussions with the media about this, press conferences, whatever. Just don't do it on the sly and take, yeah, wink, come Rob Manfred, I have a deal with DraftKings. Well, you're also the guy who continues to keep Pete Rose out of the Hall of Fame. And while he could argue these are different circumstances, it's still, you're, you're, you're saying gambling is taboo in our sport when it comes to the player, but uh, we'll gladly take anything from anybody and go ahead and bet your brains out on baseball games hypocrisy i hate hypocrisy as you know because i could i could write 365 columns a year on the hypocrisy in sports when when all the other columnists for, let me give sally jenkins props she's the best columnist in america right? she would there are a few others but there aren't many left now they're just into the house to keep protect my paycheck and so on i would write that I think it's time for the media to get moving in this. I'm glad you guys asked the question. And I think it's time for the sports leagues and everybody involved to have, why does an ESPN, which will put anything on at this point, have regular one hour shows about gambling? No, we don't want to do that. We'll scare people away. Well, what about, just, just go look at what's going on in this country with younger people. When I was in college, I had friends who are already, uh, largely in debt before they even got out of college because they were gambling idiots. What's happening now, 13, 14, 15, uh, the more DraftKings you, you shows you have and sponsor and so on, all you're doing is opening the wound and all you're doing is inviting, inviting younger people to start trying to make a quick fix on uh, gambling. And sure, you know and what the other thing, the other thing that gambling being legalized across the country now is doing is it, I think it's killing horse racing. Yeah, the Kentucky Derby, people tune in. Next week, the next two weeks later, the Preakness, nobody's even competing from the Kentucky Derby. And then the Belmont's coming up next week. Nobody cares. And the big thing that the elephant in the room, Jay, is that all these horses are being put down. You have guys like Bob Baffert who were cheating for years, putting the steroids into the horses. And that horse racing, which was a great sport, people always loved it because you were allowed to bet at the track. You had off-track batting OTB. It's dying now, just like some other things. Well, it was dying before the Supreme Court made its ruling, but, but now you have the, uh, the the horrific succession of, of dying horses, and it just keeps happening. Kentucky Derby Day was, was just tragic, and yet do you think the people in their funky hats drinking the mint juleps cared? No, we're partying in the F-field, right? 
Look, guys, I he, basically gambling is the biggest problem in sports right now, in my purview. But if you pulled in Bob Iger, uh, Rupert Murdoch, over odious now, and all these heads of media, they would tell you we're gonna we're gonna thrive because of gambling. It's the responsibility of Iger, who sure does have an opinion what's going on in Florida. And, and is using Disney World to, to go after DeSantis. And that's not a paid political announcement. I'm, I'm a centrist. I am not a DeSantis guy. I'm just telling you, if Bob Iger is going to go into Florida on, on behalf of this company, why isn't Bob Iger doing a little more about gambling, which is killing people, problem gamblers? They're, they're losing their jobs, their lives, their families. And yet I don't see anybody going after this because there's too much money being made. And they all know... It reminds me of big tobacco back in the day. Do we need to start putting, you know, uh, the disclaimers? Well, if you see every gambling guy, you will see the, in very small print, you know, warning. However, it's like me going to the eye doctor and looking at the last line and I can't see it. That's how little the type is. They're not, they don't care who's dying. They just care about making money. So, yeah, I think gambling is a, is it's 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 a it's an American sickness right now, and and it's being enabled by media and the sports leagues themselves, and they don't care. So now we have, or it looks like it's going to happen. Things can always fall through, but the Oakland Athletics, who are on pace to be a thirty-win team, the worst team of all time, are finally going to get out of there. They're going to head to Las Vegas. They're going to build the stadium on the site of a casino. So two things I want to know from you: one. How's this going to work out? Is it going to be a good move for, for Oakland? Is there going to be any fans? And two, it, can we expect there to be a lot of gambling aspects in that stadium, whether it's on the seats, you can type it in the back of your headboard in game betting. Are there going to be, is there going to be a slot room? Is there going to be, Oh, come on after, after the game, play well, Wrigley, Field, then. Wrigley Field, they're, they're building a sports book. All right. Uh, you can do that in Washington at the wizards arena. I think everybody's watching Ricketts and it, it, it it hallowed Wrigley Field. They have a sports book. Is there anything more hideous than that? It's not just Las Vegas. You get the reason the sports leagues now feel compelled to go into Vegas is because you can do that sort of gambling anywhere. You don't have to do it in Vegas. Uh, just by the very nature of the kind of crowds you're going to get who come to Vegas, they're gamblers, they're partiers. If they go to the baseball game, yeah, they're going to want to bet probably more than they would in you know, certain St. Louis, maybe or something. Uh, I I think that. Yeah, I, but do I think the team will work? What Las Vegas is a booming sports town. About to have they'll have the NBA team, and LeBron will own it probably or part of it. They're about to have four sports teams. When not that long ago, you'd get off the plane and it, it's nothing but dust, and it was hotter than hell. And now they're about to have four sports teams, and it's becoming a hub of American sports. And I don't know if baseball works there. Because it's in the summer, it's very hot. Uh, you, you, they're going to build that, I guess, retractable thing. I don't know if pay, people are going to go to go there for baseball. Mm -hmm. It's understandable why junkets from Pittsburgh and New England go to football for the weekend. Yeah. Uh, I think the NBA is more suited to the glitz of Las Vegas. The NHL certainly works. Look at their team. Oh my God. Yeah, like how finals. Uh, it's working. It, it's it, and but but what people forget is. This is, there's an actual marketplace of people who live there and it's the smallest in sports. I think it's, except for Green Bay, it's the smallest in sports. It'd be certainly the smallest in baseball by far. There aren't that many people, if the tourists aren't going to baseball, they're not going to have enough people. It's only a 30,000 seat stadium too. I don't know if that's going to be a thriving team, but first and foremost, this Sean Fisher guy character has to spend. He has buried, the big story here is, he has trashed a franchise uh, that is, is fabled in American baseball. Uh, you know, they go back to Philadelphia and Kansas City and then Charlie Finley and Reggie Jackson. They won three World Series uh, back to back to back in the 70s. He has trashed this thing. And, and the fans are speaking and saying, we're, we're not even coming out here. They're drawing you know, hundreds. Sad. They got possums running around in the stands and the press box. What's that? They have oh, possums. Well, yeah. that's the, the sewage pipes are, you know, are working. That's, that's hideous. They should be paying people to go to that place. And 
that's what's forgotten here. You don't have to trash your franchise on the way out. So what I'm saying is, are we sure this guy is even going to spend in Vegas? You better win. Their hockey team's winning. Uh, I think at due time, the Raiders will win. Tom Brady will make sure, Danny, even if he has to play. Uh, and I think, you know, I think John Fisher's in for a rude awakening if he thinks he can just run the Las Vegas A's the way he runs the Oakland A's. Uh, remember, he he survived for years on Billy Bean and Moneyball. Yeah. I mean, okay, that worked 20 years ago. And at the moment, it's kind of having, you know, it's funny you're seeing the, the Cohen and the Mets struggling and you're seeing the Padres struggling, all these big spenders struggling. I, it's too early to sit here and say, uh, all right, the, 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 you're better off being the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Baltimore Orioles and those teams. It's this old blip, okay? I think in the end, if you take a 10-year stretch, the team that yeah. spends money is going to win a lot more than the one that doesn't. But th- that's that's the thing. Jay, do you think Fisher wants to move the team to Las Vegas so that he can sell them and make a ton of a ton of money, huge profit? Uh, he could, but he's also signing. You know, he wants close to four hundred million dollars from the state of Nevada. If you if you go there and the state signs off on you, and the taxpayers have to do this though not as much as they did for Mark Davis and the Raiders, you better damn well stay there for a while or else you're going to be known as the all-time carpetbagger. I don't know. I think all these baseball owners are thinking, not Cohen, not Seidler in San Diego, but if you're a smart guy right now, baseball continues to be on a decline in this country. Come on. Compared to the NFL, which is far and away king, and the NBA is clearly the number two league, and it's about to show that in the media rights fees they're about to command. And I think baseball, honest to God, in regard as, as being a niche sport is sort of like closer to hockey than it is to football these days. And if you're a smart guy, and I can think of a few people in baseball who've had a, teams for a long time, you'd be better off getting out now. Because I don't think the demand will be for Major League Baseball teams. Anytime an NBA team pops up, boom, NFL team, you saw they're setting records every time. Uh, And so baseball is sort of viewed as a third-class citizen now, if you're an owner. Why would a guy like Jerry Reinsdorf want to keep the White Sox? I mean, their their value is stagnant. It's still in the mid ones, little high ones. That's compared to NBA teams, that's low. And then compared to NFL teams, that's very low. So I can think of any number of people who have money in baseball who might be thinking about selling uh, at some point. Last question from me, Jay, before we start to let you go. Um, You mentioned Steelers and Pittsburgh there. Kind of goes into my final question here because uh, (laughs) one, Le'Veon Bell uh, was on a podcast recently in the last couple of days and he brought up a topic which I still think garners some debate around the country, um, but most states have started to legalize it, and that is marijuana. And he had mentioned that not only uh, was he smoking marijuana before games, uh, but in said games afterwards, when he was a member of the Steelers, uh, he would perform well, right? Which is amazing considering when you look at the top tier upper-class organizations in all of the NFL, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers carry a certain prestige with them that I think uh, two-thirds of the league simply probably can't match, right? So uh, mentioned that when he left for the Jets, he still did it, realized that coaching was a significant difference, and from going from Mike Tomlin to Adam Gase, I don't know who could have figured that out. Um, But what are your thoughts regarding Bell not only admitting it, freely admitting it, being able to talk about it, uh, but the fact that he succeeded while he was doing it, and does that kind of put like a thorn into the arguments here uh, for people who are, are against it? Because it's always been known that players have done it for years and years and years. It goes back decades. Medically speaking, right? but, medically speaking I, I can make an argument for marijuana. Sure. Uh, performance enhancing, I think it's too random. And I'm going to believe him right now. He's out of the league. Why would I believe him? I I, I don't, I'm sure some people perform better under the influence. I think in the long run, they probably do not. Uh, And you also have to think about this as a consumer issue with the prices that are 
being demanded these days to watch sports, even on television at home. I don't want my lead running back high. I, I need to depend on him in the last five minutes. And I, I, I still would, I would like to see how many times he fumbled in those games he was high, because I'm guessing if you're free and easy and low loose football, you might be fumbling a little more. Yeah, maybe those holes are seen easier, but no, I, no, no. I, I, you gotta, the, the leagues have to make a distinction here and mental health is part of this too. It, it's complicated, but there are ways of prescribing marijuana for your mental health or, or for your sore body soreness. Or uh, I know older people who use it and they're, they're better off medically and they're happier. Okay, we're talking about an athlete, a running back at the time, 25, 26 years old. No, he's, he's, not, he's too reckless at that point in his life. I can't trust him that, that yeah, I'll get a medical uh, subscription and just use no, he, he's a partier. There's a big difference between partiers and people using it for their, the, the, the improvement of their, their daily lives. If the leagues can differentiate, then, then I think there's an argument to be made for it, but not when this guy is, hey, look at me, I'm high. Well, are you telling the full story about those games? Probably not. Okay, we appreciate your time as always. We thank you. Go out, enjoy the weather. It's nice out. Um, you know how this works. We thank you for your time. We give you the last words, whatever you want to talk about. We'll have you on again soon. Maybe we'll turn this into the quarterly episode. Who knows? That's up to Nick, not me. But <laughs> um, we appreciate, like, seriously, sincerely, we never, appreciate you. Never be hired by ESPN or Fox, but that's okay. Good for you. Have some, have some guts. That's cool. There's not enough guts in this business. It's that's why I want to watch uh, McAfee. I want, you know, what's he saying? I won't. You know, drop any f bombs. He'll do it just because he can. What are they going to get rid of him? They just give him this contract. You know, uh, what I would ask you guys is: All right, you've been at this for a while. You said that you're getting, you're making some inroads. Uh, are you still as confident about the future of sports media as you were ambitious when you first got in it? I mean, how ha have you soured it all, or have you gotten even more optimistic about it? Uh, where are you at after uh, this period of doing a podcast? Well, the sports media has been murked by gambling. So I don't know what the future is of sports media, but that's why we have not been a sports-specific show here. We're just entertainment and media. And that's kind of the way you got to position yourself, I think, in this industry now, which is be open to all avenues. You can't be a specific niche when you're trying to, to make inroads. So that's how I see it, Joe. That's a good idea. And and it's just, it's tough out there because sports and entertainment, by the way, the ESPN is entertainment. And it's almost become one big blob. I don't think what Stephen A does, and I happen to like Stephen A, I'm not getting on. I, what he does is performance art at best. And it's just kind of schlocky entertainment at worst. It, it, the problem with sports media I have, and I often write it, and they don't like this either, go find the, the websites that run the actual ratings of the shows. This is where I find PTI's ratings around the horn. This is a reliable site. I can't think of it right now, but it's always, all the media guys know what it is, and it's out there. I think Stephen A's show daily, and I know there are a lot of shows on television. It, it, like 280 or something like that. It's not, you would think with all the coverage of Stephen A, this is like a top 20 American show. It's not, it's not even at the top 250. I think Bayless is done by 400. Guys, these aren't big shows. And if you put it in the context of there are 335 million people in America, and if Stephen A's show is getting on a good day 450,000, what about the other 334 million point six people? in america what are they doing so what is all this attention on this stuff they are great self-promoters mm -hmm. when, when our show was on we were thrilled to get a million a day now they're they're way down there and you'd think that oh those old days those guys are never watched you can we were the ones who were watched nobody's you guys have splintered audiences there are a lot of reasons for that legitimate reasons there's more to you know the internet is a crazy place and people are entertained by their phones and so on but 
I just don't like it when, if you're giving me free time, when, when media companies lie about how they're doing. Do the advertisers believe this crap? I mean, if I'm an advertiser and I'm reading these numbers, I'm like, wait a minute, you want to upcharge me and this show is way down here? That's my problem with me. I couldn't, I couldn't walk into ESPN every day and not knock on somebody's door and say, why are you saying that you're this when you're not? Or Eric Shanks, why are you Mr. Journalist when obviously in Cutter you were not? They don't want to hear this from me. It's sort of like, you better No, I'm just a thoughtful guy who's happier than ever. And by the way, healthier than ever. I was not a hell. I had a heart problem at 47, you know, running to a stupid sugar bowl in New Orleans. And I was on around the horn a week later. Is that very smart? No. Much happier, healthier. I was fortunate to do well for a long time. I can't tell somebody your age, hey, you know, give it up and just have fun on Substack. I would never tell somebody to do that if they're still in the process of making money. That said, uh, you have a lot to think about in regard to the amount of time and effort you have to put into making this work. And even then, it might come down to something political. Uh, we're in a, a cultural melting pot. You may be the best at what you do, but they may have to hire uh, this or that or this or that. And I don't mean to get myself into trouble, but that probably will. They don't necessarily look at your quality or the quality of your show, but they might be, as John Skipper once told me, Jay, we needed diversity on the show. Okay, I'm a champion of diversity. I Great, I was the one telling, why do we have four white guys every day? Why don't we have, what are we doing? I, but don't use it against me. And that's what I would tell younger people. The politics in this business are just twisted. And I, you know, I know people who are on the radio because the program director at a big company was, you know, their college roommate. You know, it's it's that kind of junk that appalls me. I wish we were all created or treated equally. Uh, we're created equally, but none of us. And, and believe me. This, this goes back centuries and generations in this country where some people have not been treated fairly. I just think what I would tell a young person in this business is hone your craft as well as you can, but in the end, it might not come down to how good you are. And that's what scares the out of me for any young person getting in this. It, it might come down to something political or the agent involved or knowing somebody or I can't, I can't, I could never do that. I wouldn't know the first thing about kissing somebody's ass as you can tell. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so a lot of it's luck too. And, but most of all, stick to your guns. You guys work hard. You're smart. You ask the right questions. I, you, I don't open up to people like this. I mean, so I'm number one. It's the number one compliment we get the most. Everybody always says you ask great questions or you've asked a question. Exactly what that, you're never doing research, one. which, which most people don't, it's all about, knowing enough to be credible so that you're, you're educating people and entertaining them and uh, about this. And that uh, now that you're getting into entertainment, that's good because you're just branching out into this because you don't want to ne be too narrow and limit your opportunities in sports. It's better that you do that. Hell, if you can find other interests, do that too. You need to be more generalized more than ever because I think the sports thing, it's yeah. going to eventually be run by sports leagues. You're going to be, everybody in media is going to be working for the leagues. And then that's not really journalism. Yeah, I, I agree, Jay. It's not what you know a lot of times. It's who you know or other ex exterior things. So I don't know, Joe. We got to meet Nick Khan because don't be set for life. But that's going to be here. You are right there. You are set for life if you meet Nick Khan. Who's the other big guy? There's some other, uh, well, Mark Shapiro, who, by the way, Mark Shapiro hired me at ESPN. How about that? Mark Shapiro, that's when, when Skipper once said to me, you're you're a Shapiro guy. No, I'm my parents' guy. What do you think? Uh, so Skipper didn't like it because it should be. Oh, no, I was a Shapiro guy. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I could sit here, guy, and tell stories every day, but, but, the, but Skipper latched himself to Dan Levitt and they're doing what? You know, it's that crap that I can't, relate to i just want to stand and write a great column every day i wish everybody else thought that way yeah. Yeah. well jay it's been a pleasure we always have a lot of fun with you thank you for your time we're going to go start the change.org petition we want jay mariotti to host the SBs because it'll be a real roast <laughs> no there's a big writer's strike jay so you can write your own monologue 
It'll work yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll take it from there. Uh, five you're... seconds in the bring out Tony Reale, you know. The, the, the <laughs> mute button. <laughs> there you go. All right, Seth, going to do it for this episode of You Know I'm Right for our very special guest, Jay Mariani, my coach, Joe Calabrese. I'm Nick Durst, and this has been You Know I'm Right. Thank you.